Welcome today to part two of Reflections from the Burning Bush. What is your burning bush experience? But before we get started, the day that we're recording this is the day of the Super Bowl. And we just finished church with our pastors, Joy and Betty Hamby. And he said something at the end that just really stirred my spirit that I want to share with you here before we get started into talking about the New Testament characters that had burning bush type experiences. But before that can happen, there has to be an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And a song came to my heart, and it's just a chorus, and I'm going to ask Betsy to do with me a cappella. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. never asked him to come into your heart, all of this will appear as pure nonsense to you because you will not know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the way we do. We compel you to give yourself that opportunity today. Maybe you've been living on your parents' religion. I know many, many people that have. That's not good enough. Jesus wants you and you only come on to him. Now we will enter into our message for today. And Betsy, I'll let you start. Reading from the New Testament, we know that the apostles left all and followed Jesus. Mark 1, 16 through 20. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, thence he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called unto them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. And now we read in Matthew nineteen twenty-seven through 30. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, 
for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Contrast that with the rich young ruler. He chose Richard, riches over discipleship. Matthew 19, 16 through 26 says, And behold, one came unto him and said unto him, Good master, what good thing should I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy mother and father, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man saith unto him, All these things I have kept from my youth. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And now we return to the people who left all and followed Jesus. We hear about the Apostle Paul, who went from Christian killer to a chosen vessel when the Lord redirected his intense passion. From Acts 9, 1 through 16, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. 
And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And there he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Here we see several examples. One with uh, Saul, who would later become Paul. And God called him on a road to Damascus with an overbearing light that blinded him. The disciples, many of them were fishermen, and he called them where they were at. How does God call you? What is your calling? Then does he ask you to do anything more than to come on to him? With the disciples, they asked him, well, kind of what's in it for us? And Jesus said, well, when my kingdom comes, not only will I sit on the throne, but there's going to be 12 rulers over the 12 gates, and you will be the rulers that sit over them. Man, if that wasn't good enough to entice them, I don't know what would be. But you know, God is enticing each and every one of us every day and saying, hey, if you'll just do what I say, look what I have for you. Now, you might think, Oh, that's fine. We've got Moses. We've got Samuel. We've got the other Testament prophets and kings. We've got Paul the Apostle and the Apostles. Come on. How can I identify with that? Will God really call me from the burning bush? So now I want to bring up the tale of Dorcas the ordinary woman who was extraordinarily loved. Acts 9, 36-43 Now there was a Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is by interpretation called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and almsdeeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into 
the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, and kneeled down, and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise! And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand, and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. So we see that Dorcas was not a great apostle. She wasn't like Philip that was translated and uh, was in a chariot and then was translated back? No, she was an ordinary woman, a seamstress, if you will. So the Lord thought her worthy of raising from the dead. That's pretty special. Amen. Now I want to share with you our own story and what God did in us at Faith Temple. Not only did he turn our life around, but he met us. And he met us in such a powerful way. I recall the story of Samuel when Eli was telling him, the next time you hear a voice calling you, don't come to me, but say, here's your servant, Lord, I'm here. And that's the first time that we see that when God was calling, the next thing we read is that when God called him the third time, he was literally standing beside him, unlike the other two times. When God calls you and he knows that you are ready to receive, mind you, he's omnipotent. He already knows what you're going to do. He was standing there waiting. And at that time, Samuel said, your servant heareth. What do you want from me? In our own situation, we were living in San Jose. We had bought a home we couldn't afford, but isn't that the case of so many of us? We were traveling miles and miles on jammed up freeways that were never prepared for the multitudes that ended up in the Bay Area. And to say that the drives were tedious would be an understatement, but they were drives that literally gave us time to be with the Lord. One of the drives that we went on, I will never forget. I was praising the Lord and I was on one freeway and there was a cutoff to go to 101, which is what I had to do. And I was on the cutoff and I was praising the Lord and just worshiping him as I did on many of my drives because they were so long. And I happened to open my eyes and look to the car that was to the right of me. And the guy looked like he was freaking out and I couldn't figure out why. And I looked back and realized my hands weren't on the wheel. They were raised. At that point in time, God did something very, very special that I will never forget. He literally lowered a screen in front of me and started to show me what parts of my ministry would be like. 
To say that was a drive that I'll never forget is an understatement, but it really was. When you see the Lord this way and you say, Lord, use me, be prepared for the unthinkable. Be prepared for, as our pastor said this morning, for God to be in the left field throwing a ball for you. He is always there. He's always doing what is right. And all you have to do is reach up and say, here am I, Lord. Well, during those times, we came up and we were attending a New Year's Eve service. And whether this was in 79 or in 80, I can't remember. My mind keeps floating back and forth between the two years. And probably Joy and Betty can remember better than I can on this one. But Pastor Foreman passed out decree cards. What's a decree card? It was from Job 22:28. It says, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. And Betsy and I looked at it, and we took and we filled out one card for both of us. And on that card, we had already been in ministry with her parents, and so we were part of prayer, prison, and praise. And her, her father, when he was alive, did a lot of ministry at the San Quentin prison with the chaplain there. And we would go in, and we would sing, and that's basically what we were doing at that time. And then we got more involved and we became a part of their ministry of prayer, prison, and praise. Dad had passed away and Mom had given us their camper with a cab over on it, over the, over the truck. Uh, it was an older Chevy. And on the back of it, we had a CB attached to it. That was the big thing back in those days. It was breaker, breaker, what's your 1020? But with us, we knew we had to have a handle because that's what you did with the CB. So on the back door of our camper, we put Holy Roller. And then we put Mark 16, 15 through 18 on it as our distinguish of who our handle was and who we were. Needless to say, we got many waves as they would drive by us on our Holy Roller. But we took that and we did a lot of evangelism work going from different churches and different uh, places of, that needed ministry to uh, senior care centers, to churches, what God would have us do. At this time, we were still involved with Faith Temple. And so we put down, Lord, that you would allow us to flow in all the gifts of the Spirit. That's what we wanted more than anything. Lord, let your gifts be evident in our life as we minister to different people for your name's sake. And then the other thing we put down, and no, I have to take that back. We didn't put it down. I just said it to the Lord quietly. And I said, Lord, and that by the end of the year that we're in full-time ministry, not just part-time doing other jobs, but that we would be in full-time ministry. In that next eight months, God took us from the evangelistic trail to our first church in Lakeport, California, where we were ministering in all the gifts of the Spirit 
In fact, when Sister Miller decided she was going to retire from her church, she her neighbor was my mother-in-law, Betty Smith, and she went over and she said, Betty, I've been praying, and the Lord says, your children are to come over and come up and take over the church. My mother-in-law literally laughed because of all of our possessions and everything we had. And she says, oh, I'll tell them, but they'll never do it. And she called and she told us, Sister Miller wants you to come up and to take over her church. And the next thing that came out of my mouth is, okay, mom, we're on the way. We didn't know what God would do, but we knew where we were headed. Do you know where you're headed today in your ministry? Do you know what God is calling you to do? It might be to step out in faith and say, hey, all my worldly possessions don't mean anything if God's not in it. And everything we gave up, he's given back bountiful throughout the years. And I will never be discouraged of anything. Dorcas wasn't the least bit discouraged about what she did for the Lord. Why? Because she was doing it unto him. It didn't matter. She was pleasing God by caring for the people. The scripture tells us, for ye see your calling, brethren. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 27. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has called the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. What character traits do the called share? Ask yourself, do these traits describe me? I'd say further ask yourself, could these traits describe me if I so chose? One, intensity of desire. Two, ears to hear. And three, a pure heart. Second Chronicle 16:9a. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. When you see the burning bush, how will you respond? Today is your day. Today is the day to say, Here am I, Lord. Father, as we come before your throne and as we close off this episode, let it be for your glory and let people stand up and say, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to be your servant. You can use me because I'm foolish enough to believe that you are who you say you are, and that you are passionate not only towards those with needs, but towards those who are willing to step forward and do. Allow me to be your servant. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you today for sharing with us in your reflections from the burning bush. What is your burning bush? We'd love to hear. God bless you.